Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy KG, man. Um, coming to you from a thin line between love and sports talk show. And yeah, this your boy LB. So, um, like he said, it's thin line between love and sports. Some of y'all may have already heard of it from the Facebook page. Just know uh, this has always been on our mind, and I'm happy that we got the opportunity to finally do this for y'all. Man, what's taking us so long, though, man? We've been doing thing about this for a while, huh? Oh, man. I think what really took us so long is um, being a little afraid to really just put ourselves out there in front of other people. Right. Uh, I know that was one of the issues I had with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Oh, exact same thing. A little bit of fear in there, man. Uh, procrastination. Just thinking like, oh, we wasn't ready, but, you know, it's, you never be ready. You never go get out there and do it, man. Yeah. I mean, you got to fly in order to fall. So I'd rather go ahead and, and put myself out there and see what happened. Let the people decide. I actually believe that, you know, once this is heard, people will actually like it. They'll gravitate to it. Right. It's a little different than a typical sports talk show, you know, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, Max Kellerman, you know, Stephen A. Smith. They have their formula mm-hmm. and this ain't that, you right. know, we're not trying to sit here and debate topics and scream at each other, anything like that. So, yeah. So just just to give you all a little bit of um, why we're doing this. You know, again, it's thin line between love and sports. Um, the main reason of it. It's kind of bridge that gap between society and sports, man. You know, kind of bring that, bring us two together and get to the, like the underlying issues of how athletes kind of do the things they do and some things that might trigger how they, you know, act in society themselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, I believe that. I believe uh, sports, sports is a great representation of the people in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the way people feel about sports from all three levels starting at high school all the way up to professional ranks. Right. They're emotionally tied, invested right. with a particular sport, a sports team, a sports person. So uh, I think the title is is perfect, Thin Line Between Love and Sports, because mm-hmm. it's really a thin line between the two. Yeah, most definitely. Because like I said, uh, I know most of my relationships are built off sports. Hell, I mean, me and you have known each other since – Pee-wee football. Basketball, football, you know boys so, club. Yeah. Just the relationships being built between that. And, you know, it's all love between her. And just like you end up growing yeah. and look at us today. You know, we're not I'm not friends with you just because, you know, because of where you work at or how much money you make or anything like that. It's mainly the root of it is sports. It's all love from there. And then we grew and, hey, we basically became family from there. Yeah. Um, I'm, anybody that has ever played organized sports probably has a handful of friends from the organized sport that they play. You know, y'all mm-hmm. have a special bond together. I mean, y'all done share some joys, some losses, some ups, some downs, some fights, some battles. Right. So sports is, uh, like I say, man, it's it's um, it's more than just a game. It's, mm-hmm. it's more than just a game to the people that actually played it, to people that really follow it. It's more than just, you know, going out there and just watching somebody shoot a ball or yeah. run or tackle or something like that. Exactly. So, yeah, so we're going to get into fight. The deep root of things, man, and see how, really, like I said, you talk about how sports affect society and uh, pretty much hopefully get to how relationships affect, you yeah. know, by sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and I think uh, more than just the relationships, uh, the newsworthy content that comes from sports, it's a lot of things that go on <laughs> in sports that really should be discussed. I mean, some things they do talk about, but there's a lot of other things that, go on behind the scenes in sports or attached to sports that will really help or hurt 
a society. So I think this will be a, a great thing for people to listen to, to tune into. They might learn something. They might take something away from it. You know, I just plan that everybody enjoys it. All right. All right. So we make sure y'all had uh, enough background of, you know, why we're doing this. Cause like I said, the, if you don't have a why, why you're doing something, then it's probably not going to happen at all. You know what I mean? So y'all know what your why is. Um, so let's go ahead and get to our first topic, man. First topic ever on the Thin Line Between Love and Sports. All right, we're going to jump right into it. So the first topic is going to be, will black ownership ever happen in the NFL? I'm going to going to jump off with that, guy. Okay, well, black ownership <clears throat> ever happened in the NFL. And it's, a, it's ironic that this is the first topic, being as the Carolina Panthers are up for sale. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we all heard that Diddy said that he has interest in buying, you know, a team as a majority owner because there have been black minority owners, you know, right. uh, the Williams sisters, they had an ownership stake in the Dolphins. So I don't think the NFL is opposed to black ownership if, you know, they like you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you're not yeah. a brash person, like a, like a Diddy, for example, mm-hmm. then I think, you know, they'll let you in the club because it's a club. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up too, man, because uh, just doing a little bit of research, man, it says that in order to be an owner in the NFL, you need more than just money. You have to have a two thirds vote to even get access to, you know, like you said, this club. Right. And uh majority, well, it's a hundred percent owned by white folk, white people, white men. Well, you know, you what know I mean? so, uh, Shao Khan, I hope I said his name right. The, the owner for the Jacksonville Jaguars okay. is a minority. Right, right, right. He's a minority. But You're right. He's also a billionaire at the same time. Right. So exactly. they don't have an issue with him. So, you know, unless we have like a, somebody like a Jay-Z or somebody that's willing to put all their money into a franchise like that. Right. You know, especially with but with him also having some type of connection into that, that society. Yeah, it's more than just uh having a specific net worth, because I did look this up too. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be wrong, but I think you have to be able to write a check for so many millions of dollars, you know, to even be considered. So I think if you're not a billionaire, you have to be damn near close to being one Mm -hmm. in order to be an owner in the first place. So, yeah, uh, Diddy by himself, he may make the cut, but I'm pretty sure, you know, he'll have to be a part of a ownership group Mm -hmm. to purchase a team. Yeah, it's more definitely about who you know and what you know, man. Uh, but I wonder if they take into account where your money came from. You know what I mean? Because think about it like a Diddy trying to come in with his money. Um, not saying that all businessmen are crooked, man, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that Diddy's money ain't all clean. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Jerry Jones' money ain't all clean. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, Mr. Cronky, I'm, I know his money ain't all clean. You but know? That's, like a, that's a different type of dirty, though. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like a Diddy. I'm pretty sure Diddy might have had like a couple. You know, I don't want to. And I ain't trying to. Yeah, bash we ain't Diddy, trying man, to speculate. I, you know, yeah, we, kinda, we really don't know. But yeah, cause I kind of like. Uh, I kind of see Diddy as a mentor myself. You know, I I love Diddy the way he came up and everything. But you know, I just they they will take that into account as as far as where he came up with his money. So, um, I I think it only cares when it's the person they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. For example, I mean, we just being honest, Diddy being a black man, entertainer, you know, known for being attached to hip hop. And even though Diddy himself was never a shoot 'em up, bang, bang type of rapper when he rapped. Right. Just because he's associated with hip hop and the main stereotype of all rap music 
is gangster music, mm-hmm. they're going to automatically align him with gangster rappers. Yeah. Even though everybody that knows Diddy know he's not a gangster rapper at all. Yeah. So I think those are things that they'll do to try and, you know, keep him out. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I guess, I guess kind of extend from that. Do you think we need a black owner in the NFL? Of course. I think black representation is needed across the whole spectrum of business. I mean, we had a black president. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you know, I'm not really old. You know, I can remember far back as the first George Bush. Um, Ronald Reagan, I was too young mm-hmm. while he was in office. But, you know, I spoke with my dad. My dad said Trump closely resembles Ronald Reagan. Okay. 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 So Barack Obama was a very decent man. Yeah. And in order to be that high, I truly feel like as a black person, you have to be an extremely docile, decent, non-threatening person. And I'm not, I don't mean threatening in like, you know, physical harm. I mean, you know, threat to the establishment. Yeah. So- uh, I, I think Diddy gonna have a hard time. I think any black person is gonna have a really hard time being an NFL owner, unless you played in the NFL yourself, mm-hmm. or if you just have one of these types of reputations where you're just loved by everyone. Yeah, you know. So, so yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely think that we need some type of. Uh... I say black ownership, and I hate trying to limit it to just like you say we do have minority ownership yeah. already. A minority with the Jaguars, yeah. and you see how their franchise is doing, yeah. especially with this following year that you know they just had in the NFL. Um, so I think it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. And what's crazy is uh, I met a guy during the um, Triple G and Canelo fight. I was at one of my friends' house. We was at a fight party, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say the dude's name because you know I don't know if you want to be out there like that. But right, he right. is pretty cool. Uh, he played his whole career with the Jags. Mm. All right. And he lives out in the area now. He lives in the Metroplex area now. And he told me, and this was out of his mouth, he said that the owner came to him or came to the team basically and told them that, you know, I don't know anything about football like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't really help you with football-related issues. But if any of you have any business-related issues, I'm your guy. You yeah. know, I'll talk to you about something business related. You want to start something, you want to invest in something. Yeah. Uh, so that's the type of owner he is. And you see the first thing he did when he got to Jacksonville is built a new stadium. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they made it to the conference finals. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of helped them carry that way like business man they take care of business on the field yeah because I mean, you know growing up coaches used to always say that take care of your business you know what i mean it's gonna translate to how you perform i think that definitely how it uh how it happens in real life at every level yeah um but i'm glad you said that man that kind of takes us right into our next um our next topic as far as what you said with the had a had an owner say that he can help them with you know building their money building their yeah. brand so our next topic is going to be uh should athletes give endorsements, give their endorsements or sponsorships up based on company marketing uh, or beliefs? So basically, so like, so what I'm saying is, let's say, um, uh, so, okay, I start with Steph Curry. Yeah. You know, with the Under Armour thing. Yeah. And the whole thing came out with Under Armour saying that they supported Trump, Trump. or they supported his yeah. business. Yeah. And then, so it was kind of questioned as if would, is Steph going to give up his endorsement now? 
You know, so that, that's where I'm kind of going with that. So what, what do you think about that? It just depends because me, I mean, me being logical mm-hmm. and, you know, this is a little, you know, really, really pro-black. Yeah. I mean, we are a historical minority in this country. So anything that we endorse is going to have some ties to a, you know, higher power mm-hmm. that is white. You know, I mean, just being realistic. Now, if a company was to come out like Papa John's, for example, Mm -hmm. and really directly point his finger at, you know, the NFL protest that was going on and saying this is why his business is failing because it's tied to the NFL and they're having protests or, you know, me right now, if a company says they endorse Trump on any level, if I had the choice of endorsing this company, I wouldn't do it. Right. You know, and I know Steph Under Armour has been very good to him. It's been very good to Cam Newton. There's a lot of prominent black athletes that endorse by Under Armour. Under Armour has been very good to these people. Under Armour, they started in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they behind the young boxer, Javante Davis. Right. I think what well, Julio Jones is with Under Armour. Yeah. Um, so Under Armour is a big deal. So like, see, like my thing with that is, you know, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, it's just that, what if, let's say, you take uh, a different brand though? Because I feel like Under Armour is kind of, hell, they their success is coming from players. It is. So that gives them a platform to to kind of flex that muscle and be like, hey, you know, what I'm saying, if you're going to support Trump, then I'm balancing, right? right. And it's going to hurt Under Armour. I, I think so. It, let's flip that to where you have somebody like Nike. And yeah. you say like, "Hey, I ain't messing with Nike no more. I'm gone." Nike gonna be like, "Why?" It's it's certain players mm-hmm. that are bigger than the brand, yeah. and I feel like Steph Curry is much larger than Under Armour. Mm-hmm. You know, Under Armour exactly. is a great brand, but I think Steph Curry's emergence shot Under Armour through the roof. Yeah, you know, there was a point where Under Armour had three. MVPs in the same year in all three major sports. Yeah. Cam, Steph, Bryce Harper. Yeah. So they struck, you know, they they hit a home run with those dudes. But I feel like Steph Curry himself being the um I mean, you know, of course LeBron is LeBron, but mm-hmm. in terms of popularity, I truly believe Steph is more popular than LeBron is today oh yeah most definitely and it's right you know i'm a big lebron fan too you know it takes a lot for me to say that yeah (laughs) i uh, I think just in terms of straight popularity steph curry is is more popular than lebron and if under armor really endorsed trump in a way where steph said you know what i'll take my talents elsewhere right i think that'll cripple the company yeah you know that's that's what i love about that whole situation was is that it showed black power Mm-hmm. Something that we haven't really seen in a long, long time as far, you know, at, at that high of a level to where a company retracted their word pretty much basically of what, what this one black person mm-hmm. said about what they were going to do about leaving their brand. Yeah. And I, I love that, man. It was just like, I feel like that was a, it was a big moment. And especially with the midst of everything that's going on in society um, with sports and protests and everything else. I think it kind of just showed us that, you know, gave us a kind of glimpse of what we can do as a people. Right. And uh, but kind of like transitioning from that, man, it's kind of like I think about athletes aren't always educated on situations. Yeah. And it can kind of hurt us. Yeah. Our, our image in a sense. 
yeah, I, I think I think a lot of it is purposely, you know, avoiding certain situations mm-hmm. because every athlete isn't Steph Curry. Right. And, you know, especially with everything that's going on right now, we love to see our black athletes speak up mm-hmm. on social issues mm-hmm. that their money has afforded them to not be a part of anymore. Yeah. You know, uh, I think – you know, LeBron James, D-Wade, Carmelo, and all them standing up at the ESPYs saying what they said. I know a lot of people really felt like it was kind of vague and things like that, but you still have to understand they have an employer as well. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But that, yeah, see, I'm glad you mentioned that too. Yeah. But with them saying that, it was definitely vague and it kind of left me wondering, like, okay, what you going to do? Yeah. But now you see it to where yeah. LeBron is going to open up his first school. Yeah. I mean, right. he's, he's been doing that uh, yeah. scholarship thing in, mm-hmm. in Ohio since. Yeah. And he's been maybe 10, 10 years already. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's been very strategic about it too, because yeah. like I said, uh, he's gonna start with fourth and fifth graders. And a lot of people I was talking to, they was like, Why is he starting with fourth and fifth grade? I don't know if you noticed, but in education, man, they uh the way they build their prisons is based on what fourth and fifth grade test grades are like. Okay. It's very it's crazy how they do it, you know what I'm saying? So they're they're marking you from the time you pass or fail a fourth and fifth grade te- test based on the number you get. Is if you're gonna go to prison by the time you hit 18. And that's how they build their prisons. Mm-hmm. So LeBron kind of saw that and he probably well, I'm guessing saw that and saw the information was like, okay, the way I can kind of make our future change and help our society, help our black kids, is by making sure I have a school, a place where they can go and be safe and be comfortable and learn. I mean, my thing is why wouldn't he start with fourth and fifth grade? Because let's not get it confused. He's still an athlete and a basketball player. Mm-hmm. So another thing that happens at fourth and fifth grade is where these kids really start to show their athletic prowess as well. Exactly. So not only can he help you academically, but he's also in a position to help you athletically. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have a son that is in the third grade and, you know, he's played up in sports his whole life. He's always played, you know, with an older age group and when he played with his age group, I used to think that he was better than the kids, but then I started to realize, no, it's not that he's just, you know, better than these kids. He's just had more exposure to it than these Mm -hmm. kids. Like it's a lot of kids that are first, second, third grade. They're fast. They can jump, they can run, they can do all these things, but they don't have the same exposure as another kid. So the kid with all the exposure to a particular sport looks so much better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But once you hit the fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, that's when the natural ability starts to match up with the actual skill. Right. And then you have a better barometer of, you know, which kid is good, which kid is okay, which kid is not. And doling up on the the way that they develop prisons based off of those scores, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, LeBron's a smart man, and I don't think anything he does is by coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just kind of um, – kind of so piggybacking off that just a little bit is um, I actually think that sometimes when these athletes speak up on certain issues, I think they can kind of hurt their brand. Yeah. Like, and then kind of give an example. Okay, so I forgot the girl's name. The girl – I think her last uh, Sequoia Brown, Sequoia Brown, something like that. Name do sound familiar. The girl where they was doing, where they said that she went to prison wrongfully for killing somebody, for uh, defending herself. The story is painted that she was defending herself because she was sold into prostitution 
so she killed a white man mm-hmm. and she went to prison and they tried to paint it as if she was trying to defend herself from from the white man. Yeah. You know, I mean, so you hear you see like LeBron, you see T.I., you see uh, J.R. Smith, all these people posting on social media trying to raise awareness for this girl, basically saying, let's free her. Mm-hmm. Right. OK, but then when you go do your own research, you know, rather than just acting off emotion, you you see that this girl, she had a, a terrible situation. But she had been run away from home since she was like nine or ten. Yeah, she had been not even she wasn't sold. She wasn't prostituting. She was asking for men to make money for herself. Yeah, and she admitted to this. So it was like without them having a full story, they jumped out there and said, "Let's free this girl." And that yeah. kind of came back and definitely hurt their brand because it's like now you seem like you're almost just uh, just ignorant to the situation. Yeah, like just jumping on whatever attention. you can jump on because it's hot. You exactly. Know? And, I think uh, they have to be they, they athletes got to be very 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 careful with their platform when they're trying to like raise awareness about something. So I think uh, it just, makes sense though, like when not when something them, happens though. and everybody's screaming for athletes to come out. Where the athletes at? Where not, you gonna speak not, up yeah, on yeah, this? I, you know, what everybody. I, mean? I feel like you know, yeah, everybody, especially um, you know, black people, you know, us, because so many things happen, and as soon as they happen, you know, we want to speak up on issues and things like that. And there's been a couple times where, you know, we may have jumped on a situation prematurely mm-hmm. and then we realized that, whoa, you know, XYZ may have been at fault or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, those are rare, but you always have to do your due diligence whenever mm-hmm. you're trying to raise awareness for a particular situation. Exactly. But, um, I mean, the elephant in the room about someone hurting their brand is Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And, Colin Kaepernick, he hurt his brand professionally as a football player. But he was able to maneuver and do some other things where, I mean, he has a book deal. Um, I think one of the biggest things Colin Kaepernick could probably do that I think would probably make him more money than he would playing football ever again is do a reality TV show. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Because he doesn't give us much to go on. And I think that's done purposely, you know, whenever he speaks, you know, he's, he's very direct and to the point he's not rambling. He's not giving interviews or things like that. And what better way than for him to tell his story out of his mouth instead of allowing some reporter to give some second, third hand. I think about Colin is he's just, he's on Twitter heavy. And like, like I said, a reality TV show can kind of actually really put some actual substance to what he's yeah. thinking. Because definitely what he did was he was prepared for it. Yeah. And like, you know what I'm saying? That's that's my point I was getting to on that. A lot of times these players, they jump on things and they're not prepared for the, the things fallout. that can happen. The or fallout. Even, yeah, you might even call it consequences. But yeah. uh, it's just what, you know, it's what it is. Um, so my, my next moving on from that is like, so are black athletes kind of pressured to conform to yes. Black America, I mean, because like I said, yes. so, so let's say yes. we, were yes. we were discussing this earlier. Des Bryant, Des yeah. Bryant. So everybody was like, Des Bryant, why aren't you, yeah. why aren't you kneeling? Are you Big why time. you why are you letting Jerry Jones be your slave or slave owner? Slave owner. So I was like, uh, you know, I was kind of like in that same boat, but then I thought about it. I was like, I'm well, just, I said maybe. I said Des, Des's response to everything was like, you know, I have a family to feed, right, right. Know? And so it's just like just because I'm not. Jumping on the way you want me to doesn't and, mean I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. And, I mean, just because Dez Bryant may not be, you know, kneeling 
that doesn't mean that he doesn't give back to the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's from Lufkin. We don't know what he does in Lufkin. Man. We don't know what he do here in Dallas. He does do some things. I experienced it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to do something in the future. I experienced firsthand. And this this is not like saying like he's building a community like that, but I've seen the type of heart that Des Bryant has. Yeah. Uh, I experienced it firsthand in Best Buy. I was mad I didn't do it, but he walked in because he, he was when PlayStation 3 came out, I think. Yeah. He walked in there and was like, I'm finna buy mine. And whoever in line, I'm buying theirs too. You know what I'm saying? That's like sponsors like that that you don't see. It like it really impacts or it makes an impression on people, right? You know what I'm saying? And not, I'm not saying that that's like that's gonna yeah. stop the process or anything. One like thing that. I know about like, I, I, I met Des Bryant on a few occasions, and Des Bryant is not a mean person. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's been years, but you could walk up to Des and shake his hand and say, "What's up?" Yeah, exactly. I know there's other people out there that are celebrities that you you can't approach. You know, you mm-hmm. try to approach them, they're gonna act like you got you know the plague or something, you know, they're going to look at you like, why are you touching me or something like yeah. that? So um, I do believe that, and I think it's just we're so emotionally charged as a people yeah. that yeah. we want every black athlete to speak up. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind people that... I mean, right, rightfully so, though. We've been through a lot. Yeah, but I have to remind people, you know, because I started to go back and, I, you know, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. I read... You know, we know all about Martin Luther King. I read about, um, finished a book about Stokely Carmichael. Yeah. And, you know, these people are celebrities now. But when they started, they weren't celebrities. You know, they were grassroots organizers. Mike, I mean, not Michael, uh, Malcolm X. I mean, he had his spot in Harlem. He used to stand out there on the corner, talk, preach, you know, teach, do those things. Then the numbers grew. People started to hear about him. Then they asked him to go speak. Same thing with Stokely Carmichael. He started in Mississippi. I mean, he was a man from New York, went to college in Washington, D.C. Then he started organizing in Mississippi, real grassroots type stuff. And then he grew. Martha Luther King was the same way. Same way. So we can't ask these celebrities who are already celebrities to pick up our cause because that's what it kind of looked like back in the day. That didn't really happen. These people started, you know, amongst the people. And, of course, they had celebrities endorsers, Harry Belafonte, Jim Brown, Bill Russell, uh, Muhammad Ali, Sidney Portier. A lot of these celebrities were endorsing these grassroots organizers after they blew up. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing now. It's just we want the celebrities to be the organizers. Yeah, exactly. Instead of allowing somebody from the you know, from the people to rise up and be of the people from the people. And the thing that better that I, that I don't that really kind of bothers me a lot, man, is that say like you know when Dez made his comments, mm-hmm. as we as a people we drug him through the mud. Oh, I didn't man. like that. And then he ended up translating to the field. Now all of a sudden, Dez Bryant sucks. Yeah, now, we I, know he's a great football player. I didn't so like now that. it's just like man, it's it's crazy because now you you talk about how he tries to do his job, and then uh. Those type of things affect athletes yeah. because people we don't realize that athletes still are people, and that's you know that's like the basis of our show. We want to talk about how athletes are still a people. You know, it's 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 a thin line between love, love and, sports. and sports because you know at the, at the end of the year, Des Bryant came out and said he said, "Man, I had a lot of distractions off the field, and it affected his play toward the end of the season." Mm-hmm. And like, and we kind of like throw it to the side, like, "Oh man, you you in the NFL, you yeah, supposed yeah, to be able to play? Yeah, like, you supposed on, to play like, that, but that's a job." Yeah, you know, and I think people are are really. 
I don't know if it's purposely done or whatever, but I think people just act like these players that do this, you know, seemingly fun game mm-hmm. are just out there for shits and giggles and they get a million dollars for doing it. No, nah, this is it's hard work. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot nice. of preparation. Yeah. It's a lot that goes into being a professional athlete that we'll never know. Yeah. We'll never have a full understanding. And we want them to do things that a lot of us don't do on our jobs every day. Yeah, because I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm like, I'm for the whole, you know, Kaepernick movement. movement. I'm uh, with the whole protest and kneeling. I'm with all of it. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I, I got to be honest. If you come to my job and tell me, hey, let's walk out, I'm going to think twice. Yeah. Like, most definitely. I mean, and I, I'm not even married to have kids or anything like that. But it's just like, it's still, a, it's, I'm still going to think twice. As it's far your as livelihood. Like, yeah, but like you said also, too, I put in a whole lot of hard work, yeah. dedication, and anything. This is where I want to get myself to. Because nobody in my family has really gotten as far as how I've gotten. You know, would they be proud let, of me for protesting? Let them know how would. far you are. Yeah. I mean, some I mean, people. Okay, so, you know, I'm a, I'm an assistant principal right now in Grand Prairie. Okay. You know, uh, currently working on my my PhD okay. in sports management. So, you know, like I said, it's just, people just people from the files, period, don't make it that far like that. Right. So it's like, I feel like I'm doing something for my people now. Like, I'm representing my people okay. in this light. And it would be... Almost irresponsible of you to do something that would jeopardize all your hard work, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's my biggest problem with people who want these athletes to take up the, the, the mantle and jeopardize their playing careers Mm -hmm. for, you know, social causes that yes, it does need to be talked about. But let's stop crucifying people that willfully choose to stay out of it. Like with Mike Tomlin, when he decided to keep the Steelers in the locker room Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, allowing people to kneel, people to stand. You know, there was a lot of talk coming from inside the Steelers locker room. James Harrison saying, if I see anybody kneeling, I'm going to break your jaw, that type of stuff. You know, I'm threatening violence. And you're a black man. And these black people want to kneel to bring attention to yeah. police brutality and yeah. things that are affecting black people in lower income and impoverished neighborhoods and things like that. A lot of people had a problem with yeah. Mike Tomlin keeping his team in the locker room. And I I wasn't mad at him for it because I felt like, you know, man, let's just play football, you know, and, and it's, it's just so much tied to it, especially – my team is divided to where I got a guy saying that he's going to punch people mm-hmm. if they kneel, you know, less just all chill in the locker room. But then the guy, he came out in the tunnel with his hand over yeah. the heart. He's a veteran, obviously. But that's the thing about it, though. Like, I mean, I think the whole purpose of it is it served its purpose, put it like that, yeah. to raise attention. And the mm-hmm. whole NFL was built around that this year, bringing attention to it. Like I said, it's just my whole thing is, is just let's not – like you said, expect these players yeah. to save us. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Like we got, it takes some some effort on our part too. Yeah, Big you know, time. to do some things. So it's like, um, don't don't try to try to crucify a player for not doing something that you may not do. You know, maybe I'm. You know, yeah. it's, it's my opinion, it's, but at the same time, it's just it's the way I see it. And that's yeah. Let's say that's why I'm we're trying to bridge this gra- this gap between. How we feel in society right. and sports, right. With these players, right. It's it's a big difference between. You know, posting something online, 
actually joining up, being a part of a protest where it's a bunch of people where they can't really single folks out, you know, peaceful protest, and then actually going back to your place of employment Mm -hmm. and keeping that protest up to where you may lose your job. You know, it's it's a big difference. And we've all made our contribution to the protests in some shape or fashion. Like, Mm. me being me, when I go to these games and stuff like that and they play the national anthem, I don't stand. Yeah. I was with one of my friends. We went to a high school game. They played the national anthem. I was with you. We went to the colony game. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at him. Yeah. And I'm like, do you stand? He was like, yeah, I'll be standing. I'm like, man, I don't. Yeah. Me and and one of my friends, we go to a lot of the GP, Grand Prairie High Mm -hmm. School basketball games. You know, we... We, we sit down most of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just something that I believe in. You know, it shows my support, but I'm also doing stuff like you don't see me behind. Well, you, yeah, a lot of people don't see me behind closed doors working with these black kids. Yeah. Trying to tell them more about, hey, you can use basketball to get you out of here, but also let's let you make sure you know about what's going on in the community and how to make things better. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, that's a, uh, dang, that's a, some good topics going on. I guess uh, before we go ahead and close out, man. Oh, let me give a shout out to my cousin, um, Adrian Cover, too, man. Come out of the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he little, little much, mad, yeah, a little <laughs> mad, man. Especially from almost the whole year, you know. So my boy took a knee as a rookie. Yeah, right. You know, as a rookie. he wasn't even a high draft pick, but he took that chance and he he put it out there to be known that hey, I support, I stand with my black people, and I love you for that, Kim folk. Like you know, what I'm saying good work on that. Um, More than good work on that. Good work on. His whole story. I, I seen oh, that. I yeah. seen hell that. Yeah. Um, that his dad said that he trying to put together a movie about his life. Yeah, and it'd be definitely worth watching. I, I really truly believe that next season, uh, little Adrian, he's probably gonna make a bigger name for himself. Like right now, he's really big in the San Francisco area mm-hmm. because they got to see what he did every day. Yeah, but me I knowing know. him. Me seeing what he did because I followed him very hard all the way from Texas to Miami to now. Yeah, um, he got a he he has a ton of ability at that safety position, mm-hmm. and they really expect him to actually start next year. Yeah, and yeah, so I mean, just, I think I think he's really starting to get that focus on one position. Almost yeah. his whole his whole life since high school, he's played multiple positions, mm-hmm. but now with him being able to focus on that one. That one skill, he about to be dangerous, man. So yeah. uh, y'all look out for that. Look out for him, man. Like I said, it's, um, Adrian Colbert, number Adrian 38. Adrian Colbert, number 38. San Francisco 49ers, he, man. He may change his number. Yeah. He's been 25 for the longest, 26, 25. So he may change his number. But yeah. that's definitely a young defensive back to look out for, not just because we know him personally, because he has a lot of talent. Straight up. If y'all hear this and y'all need to kill some time, get on YouTube, type in Adrian Colbert highlights Mm -hmm. and you'll see his play speed like he closes out on the ball like no exaggeration he closes out on the ball like palomalu used to he surprised me yeah because when he was at texas they really didn't let him get on the field then when he went to miami they moved him from safety to cornerback he had some good things in miami as a cornerback then they moved him back to safety and really, he just flying to the ball, making yeah. plays, trying to make an impact. You so, can also follow him, man, on, uh, on Instagram, also on Twitter, but uh, Instagram also, Adrian, Adrian Colbert 25, man. Uh, like I said, be looking out for that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show, man. Uh, got thank Super y'all Bowl for listening. Picks. But yeah, y'all, let's go and get to that, yeah, man. Super, Super Bowl, Bowl picks. picks. Uh, you want to talk ahead. about the Super Bowl or you just going to make a pick? I'm going to make a pick, man. I'm going right. to make a pick just real quick. We'll, we'll say the other stuff later, but uh, I'm going to ride with the, the Patriots, man. 
me too. And just just tell you just real quick why is because getting older, man, I've learned to appreciate greatness. And um, I hate it. I hate that I hated Kobe so much because I missed out on how great he was. And I I, I can't do that anymore. So I got to ride with greatness, man. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I got to ride out. I really, I want to enjoy these last few years we have with them, man, because when they gone, man, you're going to look back, you're going to be like, damn, them boys did some great stuff. Yeah. And that's that. That's how I am with Kobe now. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I hate that I hated him, but hey, it's all love now. So yeah, I'm riding with the Patriots. I am picking the Patriots. And the only reason I'm picking the Patriots is because, well, it's really more than one reason, but the main reason is at some point Nick Foles will become Nick Foles. Mm. You know, Nick Foles, actually pretty good. And I'm not going to say he's – I think Nick Foles is a, a starting caliber quarterback, but he's not Carson Wentz, and he's damn sure not Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to f- – Make it seem like Philly has no chance because Philly got a real good chance. They got a defense that really get after the quarterback. But I don't see this game being a blowout either way. So it's going to come down just like the last couple of Patriots games. Mm-hmm. Like whenever the Patriots have a big game, it's about who executes in the crunch. Right. And we already know who do that. Right. You know, Tom Brady, they execute in the crunch. You can say what you want about, you know, cheating and things like that. I do feel like they've done some things. Yeah, they're going to say that about anybody, we, we, though, we, man. We can talk about great. that another yeah. day. I feel like the Patriots have done more than the usual. But, I mean, to this point, they won, 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 won. So, hey, yeah, I think he gets, what, this number six, right? Yeah. That's a lot. Man. It's crazy. That's, football, lot. that's in hard a, in, in football. The NFL, that's man. hard yeah, in that's football, crazy. man. It's crazy. That's hard. Yeah. All right, man. That's cool. Like I said, uh, it's our first show. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, sorry for talking your ear off, you know, if we did. But we're going to put it out there and uh, hopefully you guys listening to it pretty soon. Uh, give us some feedback, good, bad, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Listen to it all. And uh, hopefully we can keep rocking with this. And yeah. Like I said, we're going to bring it to you as far as trying to bridge that gap between society and sports. You know, these these athletes are still real people. They um they love the sports like you love your job, whatever else you love. So. That's where we're coming from with that. You got anything to say, huh? Man, I just want to say that, uh, you know, this being the first time we do this, uh, we're going to put it out there. We hope that you guys enjoy it. We really hope that you guys start to follow, start to provide input. I mean, if there's something that on that you have on your mind that you would like for us to talk about, uh, you know, we have a Facebook page already. Uh, Instagram page will be coming. So we encourage the dialogue and the participation. So yeah, most definitely. Of course, this is your boy LB. I think this is gonna be real fun. So we got a lot, a lot planned with this. So y'all just just stick with us. Stick with us through it all. Yeah. Stay alive right. between love and sports. Appreciate you.